Welcome back to Hort Thoughts. I'm your host, Tegan Buckley, and in this episode, we're talking visa options in horticulture. We welcome Tyson Cattle to the podcast. Tyson is the National Public Affairs Manager at Ausveg and is also currently on secondment as the Executive Officer to the National Farmers Federation Horticulture Council. Tyson's role is focused on advocacy and policy development for the horticulture sector. Given that it's a national position, it is largely focused on the federal government and meeting with ministers, senior advisors and government officials to gain outcomes for the industry. We're super lucky to have Tyson here to chat with us on all things visa. Tyson's experiences have been heavily focused on workforce as the single largest issue facing growers and much of the advocacy work has helped create a seasonal worker program restart during COVID-19 pandemic which has included improvements to the Pacific Australia Labor Mobility Schemes, working to drive the Australian Agriculture Visa, and was the driver behind the Horticulture Industry Labor Agreement, which allows growers to access skilled labor. Really, the core concepts are you're going to have essentially, um, you know what, there's there's five visa programs available to you. Five really are, is your working holiday maker program in terms of your low skilled roles, You've got the seasonal worker program in terms of your low-skilled short-term work. You've got the Pacific Labor Scheme in terms of those low-skilled but longer-term roles, so up to three years. And then you've got the Horticulture Industry Labor Agreement, which is really around those semi-skilled and skilled roles and with a pathway to permanent residency. So if you think about that in terms of a timeline. And then we're going to have an ag- agricultural visa, which is really targeted around a more efficient workforce than all of those. So Tyson also drives policy in areas such as biosecurity, competition, infrastructure, emergency preparedness and prevention. In this episode, Tyson helps simplify visa options and how to apply for them in horticulture. Can you talk us through how you suggest identifying visa needs for horticultural businesses? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, obviously, for the horticulture sector broadly, you know, we rely heavily on international labour, um, you know, particularly for not only low-skilled roles, you know, your picking and packing roles, but also your, your semi-skilled and your skilled roles. So when we talk about semi-skilled and skilled roles, it's it's really around, you know, your irrigationists, your, your cold storage managers, your, your farm managers, your agronomists, all those sort of things is um, is also um, in high demand in our sector. So, um, you know, while the, the low-skilled roles seem to get a fair bit of the media attention because that's essentially where the weight of numbers are, but it is a really supply chain issue across the board for horticulture in the fact that, you know, we struggle to get low-skilled workers, which is where, you know, the start of the supply chain happens. Um, And then we also have a a severe shortage as well in terms of the semi-skilled and skilled space as well, which I know is consistent with some other ag commodities as well um, for your listeners. But essentially, you know, when when a a grower business is faced with some labour shortages, essentially the visa programs, there's different visa programs that solve different problems. So, or different needs for growers. So, when a grower is considering um, looking at visas or need to look overseas because they don't have the domestic um, workers available to them to fill that need, then they need to identify: okay, do I do I need a picker and packer? Do I need a, an irrigationist? Do I need a cold storage manager? Because identifying exactly what they need then makes starts to take shape on exactly what visa is going to be purpose built for them. 
um, to help them solve that problem. Yeah, so there's three types of people in Australia, the permanent residents, tourists and sponsored. Can you unpack that a little bit further for us as well? Yeah, so essentially, you know, it's, it's a really core cool one. Essentially, there's three types of people that come into the country. So you can come into the country if you're a permanent resident. Um, you can come into the country if you're, you're a tourist. And that means, you know, you're paying your own way and those sort of things. And then the other part around it is, um, you know, you can come in and under a sponsorship. So that means largely that you're coming out here or you're bringing out somebody from another country to come out here and work. Um, so, you know, largely, in, in, I don't know, we'll discuss this a little bit later on, but a lot of our growers will largely depend on the working holiday maker visa or a backpacker visa. And part of their conditions for that is to actually, you know, they need to do their 88 days to, to qualify for their second year. But they fall under the category of a tourist visa. So they're actually coming out to enjoy enjoy a holiday as, a, as opposed to work. Whereas I suppose what we're talking about when we talk about the Pacific uh, Island schemes or even the Ag Visa, which is still in development, we're talking about a sponsored visa because that's around identifying talent from overseas and bringing them out here for the core purpose to work on farm. Yeah, fantastic. And there's a new initiative out now I've heard, the PALM program. What's the story here with this one? Yeah, so the PALM is essentially a combining of two existing programs. So the seasonal worker program that's been working for, for some time, as well as the Pacific um, Pacific Labor Scheme. So essentially it's the, a combining of the two streams. So essentially the seasonal worker program has been working for, for some time and it's essentially been able to get us through COVID. You know, we've been able to bring in about 13,000 workers um, just during COVID alone. And if we didn't get those, it would be a, a really different environment for, for us for us um, and our growers at the moment. But, you know, the, the seasonal worker program is a, is a short-term stream, so you can bring in workers for up to nine months at a time. Um, it's really targeted around those, um, you know, those guys with the shorter harvest periods. Um, and that's essentially um, and being able to access those guys from the Pacific Island nations in our in our countries that are um, that are our neighbours. So you know, being able to bring in those workers for a short period, come in for pick, largely picking and packing roles, and then and then go home and earn money um, and send money back to uh, back to their home nations. And then we've also got the Pacific Labor Scheme, which has really been around similar sort of roles, but having them for longer term. So. Now, when we think about vegetable farmers, for example, a lot of our businesses are 24-7. You know, they're growing throughout the year. They're not so much seasonal like a cherry crop or a, or a citrus crop or anything like that. Um, so the Pacific Labor Scheme provides opportunities for growers to be able to bring in pickers and packers or those lower-skilled roles from the Pacific Islands for the longer term. So, um, you know, in a really simple um in a really simple way of explaining it, it's it's just being able to access low-skilled workers from the Pacific Islands, um, depending on the different length of time. So tapping back into the horticulture industry, there's the HILA that provides businesses with a few options. Can you map them out for us? Yeah. So the horticulture industry labour agreement is... Um, is a relatively new um, visa program and visa pathway. Um, so we actually managed to get that up and running through a negotiation with the federal government. Uh, it was, feels like an age ago now, but it came into effect just before COVID. So we finally got it across the line um, in February and then all of a sudden COVID hit in March. 
So we haven't really been able to see the benefits of the visa just yet in terms of on the on the ground understanding and and bringing some people in. But essentially, the horticulture industry labour agreement is a visa pathway for skilled and semi-skilled um, people. So essentially, industry did a lot of work, and Ausveg drove this. Um, you know, we were able to identify 31 semi-skilled and skilled occupations that were were in. Um, shortage for the sector and that comes back to irrigationists your cold storage managers your, your production hands your, your supervisors your managers right through to um, agronomists and research and development managers um, there's 31 occupations which government agreed with us in saying yes there is a shortage of those in australia and yes we need to look overseas to to um to be able to access them so what we saw was when that visa was was first launched. We actually managed to negotiate a whole range of different concessions that tailored the needs for the horticulture industry. So when we talk about concessions, I mean, there's concessions around English speaking requirements. There's some concessions around the skill assessment criteria in which those workers need to meet before they come out. There's even concessions in terms of um, the pay requirements. So we're able to negotiate in terms of lowering the skill the pay requirements or the salary concessions for some horticulture positions to better match up with the horticulture award, um, which was a which was a really big one because you're obviously a lot of our growers would already be paying for yeah. potentially quarantine costs and those sort of things, flights to bring them out. It becomes a really expensive exercise. Um, so we're able to get those concessions. But essentially it's a it's a pathway to bring out semi-skilled and skilled workers um, out into to work in their business. The other benefit to it is, is that there's actually a, a permanent residency pathway um, developed into it as well. So if you identify somebody um, that, you know, you could potentially, you know, South Africa has been a really big um, breeding ground, if, if you like, in terms of being able to bring out horticulture um, managers with experience, being able to attract those guys to come in. But if you're if there's a good employer and employee relationship um, over three or four years, then you've got the ability to apply for permanent residency and then build them into your business for the longer term. So I think that's a that's a really key part of what we advocated really strongly for, um, and we're able to get that in because all of a sudden, you know, you're not looking at a you, from a business sense, you're not looking at just trying to get through this harvest period or get through the next 12 months or 24 months as we kind of have been through COVID because it's been a really difficult environment. But now we can position our growers to actually think, you know, how can I bring out the best people in the world available to me and build them into my business for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Um, So that's kind of where we're aiming with that. Um, It is still in its infancy. You know, it, it was did only launch, I think, in, um, as I said, at the start of COVID. Um, You know, it is, we are starting to see some confidence and some more applications starting to come through um, in people applying for the Hiller. And we're seeing that largely because confidence is coming back in terms of the the Pacific um, Island programs as well. So, you know, if if you're able to um, access those lower skilled workers, you're more likely to invest in your semi-skilled and your skilled workers, right? So there's no point having a, a farm manager if you don't have the pickers and packers. No, no point having a cold storage manager or a transport operator when, um, or a truck driver when you can't get the, the product picked. So that's where we're starting to see some confidence start to come back into the market, which is, um, which is really exciting. But 
Um, I would definitely encourage any of your listeners out there that, um, that are looking for farm managers and those sort of things that definitely have a look at the horticulture industry labour agreement because there is some significant opportunities for the longer term for our growers um, by accessing that visa pathway. Yeah, fantastic. So just type that into Google. <laughs> yes, as, as simple as that. Type it into Google, the horticulture industry labour agreement, and it, uh, it'll be the top one. And then all of a sudden you just, you'll see the list of the 31 occupations that are available. And um, it really is uh, you just fill out the paperwork and away you go. There is obviously some larger businesses, as we know, are um, applying for you know, anywhere any, um, upwards of 80 people on, on this visa. You know, there's no real restrictions in terms of how many people you can apply for, um, you know, but it does come at a cost every time you bring them out. But there is some businesses that are using migration agents to help to support them through their application process because it is quite detailed. But, um, you know, again, if you're, if you're spending the money once and you're able to keep that person in their business for, for the next 10 years, then most growers will say it's money well spent. So, and that's what we're trying to position it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a good investment to do it properly. On to the working holiday maker for backpackers and the Australian agriculture visa. That's probably more commonly known in the industry. Um, what's some of the things that we might need to know about these? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a good one. I think, um, you know, there's probably not a lot we can say around the agricultural visa at this current time because we are still in the process of its development um, and we're also still in the process, as you, know, you would have heard from Minister David Littleproud, around there is still conversations being had around bilateral negotiations to actually get countries to sign on to the visa. Um, but, look, in the general sense, we are looking at getting the first flight of um, of workers at least in the, the first quarter of next year. That's certainly our aim. Um, and that's our ambition. Um, but it really does come back. Our our push from Ausveg and the Horticulture Council is, has always been pushing for an agricultural visa that would reduce our reliance on the working holiday maker. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, a lot of our uh, fruit-growing businesses, for example, have built a reliance on the 88 days um, component of the, of, of the working holiday makers or the backpackers that come out. Um, ideally, you know, that hasn't been the most efficient and effective workforce for our industry, and that's been the real challenge. Um, you know, to be honest, a lot of, you know, a lot of the backpackers that come out here are, you know, essentially tourists, right? They're coming out to have a good time as opposed to um, to come out and work. So that's created, created a few management headaches for growers and those sort of things. So what we've been saying to government and part of the reason why we got it across the line with the Ag Visa was we needed to have a, a pathway for growers to be able to access a more efficient labour labour source and not be, you know, essentially tied to just the backpackers. So the backpacker visa, you know, and obviously it's received a lot of media um, coverage recently, particularly around the UK FTA um, and the re uh, removal of the 88 days for, for UK travellers under backpackers. It's probably just important to clarify some facts that, you know, that, there hasn't been a time frame set as to when that 88 days will be removed from the backpacker visa. And that's really, really important because we do hear some, um, some worries or some concerns from our members that, you know, um, you know, the 88 days is going to be gone in six months or 12 months or whatever it is. Now, that's simply not the case. The 88 days will remain. Um, there hasn't been a time frame set for that. But what we're trying to do with the development of the agricultural visa is 
make sure that we have an ag visa that's up and running that when the 88 does 88 days does disappear you know in five or six or eight or ten years time that we do have another visa the program that's operating efficiently and effectively we're actually bringing in the workforce that's coming out here to work in the sector so that's kind of the aim aim of it i suppose there's a couple of um, core concepts with the design of the ag visa which probably need to be recognised, I suppose. Um, And that is, you know, if we go back to those three types of people coming into Australia, the permanent residents, tourists, as well as the sponsored people, um, you know, the ag visa is one where um, they're not coming out as tourists and they're not permanent residents. They're coming out as sponsored. So there will be an added level of obligations from from the employer to be able to access workers under the ag visa. So similar to what they do in terms of the Pacific Labor Scheme, you know, an employer's obligations is um, you need to be able to at least demonstrate some options around accommodation or, or demonstrate that you're fit and proper before you can access access um, those workers. So there's a, there's a greater level of protections for both the employer, the scheme and the workers. And we think that that is... Um, that is appropriate and we think that, you know, as long as the, the administrative process around that isn't necessarily overly burdensome, then, you know, the, the benefit to the grower is that they're able to access a more efficient workforce. So, you know, we've seen some data um, just around comparing the, the backpacker worker to, say, somebody under the seasonal worker program for the Pacific Islands. Um, you know, the Pacific Island worker can be up to 30% more efficient and effective and pick and pack at a faster pace than those under a backpacker visa. Now, our expectation is with the ag visa, that, that efficiency and product, productivity level will gain, gain to another level or go up to another level. So, you know, in terms of jumping through hoops to become a, a sponsor, if you like, um, under the ag visa, yes, there will be some added added process, I suppose, for a grower to go through. But the added benefit is you're going to have a more efficient and effective workforce, right? So um, reducing your costs in the longer term. So there's a there's a fair bit to go in terms of the ag visa design. I know everybody's very interested. I'm sure your listeners definitely are. Um, but look, I can honestly tell you there is a lot of detail that we are working through. It is a very, very busy process. Um, but we're committed to making sure that we don't want to rush we don't want to rush this. We don't want to get it wrong. We get one shot at um, making sure that this ag visa is right, and uh, we we want to make sure we do get it right. So um, I think your, your listeners and uh, and our growers should have confidence that we're heading in the right direction in terms of its development. The really the core concepts are you, you're going to have essentially um, you know what there's there's five visa programs available to you just to wrap up, and the, the five really are is your working holiday maker program in terms of your low-skilled roles. You've got the seasonal worker program in terms of your low-skilled short-term work. You've got the Pacific Labor Scheme in terms of those low-skilled but longer-term roles, so up to three years. And then you've got the horticulture industry labor agreement, which is really around those semi-skilled and skilled roles and with a pathway to permanent residency. So if you think about that in terms of a timeline, and then we're going to have an agricultural visa, which is really targeted around a more efficient workforce than all of those. So um, I think it's a really exciting time. I think it's um, a really positive um, outlook. And we really believe between the industry labour agreement and the agricultural visa, they are 
really two visa streams that can have a pretty dramatic change to um, the, the workforce makeup for the horticulture sector, um, which is really exciting. Thank you so much, Tyson, for joining us in this episode. I'll pop um, contact details and resources in the show notes so that anyone out there listening can check that out. Again, thank you for helping shine a light on visas. Thanks, Tegan. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please be sure to share it with others post about it on your social media or leave us a review and a rating. To catch all the latest from the Victorian Farmers Federation, head on over to vff.org.au for more info. Thanks again. See you next time.